0: Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christ Church Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays.
1: Psalm 95 Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great God above all gods, in his hands are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Today, If you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did that day at Massah in the desert, where your fathers tested and tried me, though they had seen what I did. For 40 years I was angry with that generation. I said, they are a people whose hearts go astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never and to my rest. Today's second reading is taken from Hebrews chapter 3, reading verses 7 to 19, and can be found on page 1202, page 1202, Hebrews chapter 3, verses 7 to 19. So, As the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the desert, where your fathers tested and tried me and for 40 years saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation. And I said, Their hearts are always going astray and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger they shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if we hold firmly to the end the confidence we had at first. As has just been said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the desert? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest? if not to those disobeyed, to those who disobeyed. So we see they were not able to enter
0: because of their unbelief. Paul, thank you very much indeed. Do keep your Bibles uh, open at that page. And uh, as we sit, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we've sung of how sure and certain the scriptures are. And we pray as we uh, listen to them and uh, engage with the scriptures we would indeed be hearing you speaking to us and speaking a word of encouragement to us that we may encourage others in Jesus name amen Uh, you won't be surprised to hear me say that I find myself in this job um, involved in the happiest of times and the saddest of times the happy times are very happy indeed weddings the birth of a child The sad times, I think it's fair to say, are sometimes about as desperate as it gets in this life. Marriage breakdowns, terminal illness, funerals. One of the very saddest things I experience is when people walk away from Jesus. People who appear to be committed to Christ decide to stop following him and in that decision, they are throwing away eternal life. It is the saddest thing. And when people take that step, they very often decline my invitation to talk to them. Uh, They've made up their minds. The very last thing they want to do is to have a conversation with the vicar. Occasionally, however, people do agree to meet me. And in those conversations, I get a little glimpse into why people give up following Jesus. And let me tell you, it is rarely a spur-of-the-moment decision. It's usually the the thing, the case, that they have drifted away from Jesus gradually Uh, perhaps they stop reading their bible and, and praying every day then they don't make church or small group a priority perhaps coming every other week and then once a month and then very occasionally and when people stop reading their bible regularly and stop meeting with God's people they start to have doubts doubts about the truth of the bible or the existence of God or doubting really that God loves them at all Sometimes uh, giving up the Christian life appears to be a very sudden thing. A man commits adultery and then he falls away. But even those apparent sudden and momentous falls from grace are very often preceded by a drifting. A man commits adultery precisely because he's taken his eye off Jesus. Jesus hasn't had his deepest affection. The point is this, largely when people give up following Jesus, it happens through gradual spiritual drift And that is the danger, that danger of of spiritual drift that is at the heart of the book of Hebrews. look back with me to chapter two and verse one. See, right towards the beginning of this letter, we read, we must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we've heard so that we do not drift away. Spiritual drift, drift is not dramatic, it's very gradual, hard to spot, barely noticeable. It doesn't appear to be very serious. And that is exactly why we need to be aware of it. Uh, one of the best holidays I've ever had, won't surprise you to hear me say, was in Hawaii. And one of the best experiences on that holiday was to go snorkelling. We took a boat for an hour or so uh, to a reef Uh, It was uh, one of the most enjoyable and memorable days of my life. But there were two alarming moments on that trip. The first came when someone shouted shark. Now, I'm not a strong swimmer, but when I heard shark, I think I might have swum the 100-metre Olympic qualifying time as I headed back towards the boat. I needn't have worried. Apparently, it was a friendly shark. (laughs) Although those two words, friendly and shark, still don't go together in my vocabulary. The second alarming moment on that trip was about uh, half an hour after the shark incident. I was back in the water, head down, snorkeling, completely engrossed in the most remarkable sights and colours and shapes of the reef and the fish. I lost all track of time because I was so fascinated by all that I was seeing. And then I lifted my head out of the water and the boat was gone. And I had a moment of complete and utter panic. The boat had left me and I was stranded miles from land. And I was on this trip with my wife. What had she done leaving me here? Well, the boat hadn't gone at all. As I looked to one side, there it was. It hadn't moved at all. The anchor was still down. The boat hadn't moved, but I had. I drifted in the current as I was looking down at the coral and all the fish. And it was so gradual, so gentle, I hadn't noticed the drift. And that is the thing about spiritual drift. We don't notice it until one day we lift our eyes up and we find ourselves miles from Jesus because we've been focused on and engrossed in something else. That is the issue in the book of Hebrews. The Christians this letter was written to were in serious danger of drifting from Jesus altogether. And so in chapter three, the writer warns them about the very real and present danger of getting to the point where they actually give up on the Lord. See, look at chapter three, verse 12. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Don't give up the Christian life. And just in case we here, sitting here, think as we read this, that would never happen to us, take note that this is written to a group of Christians and that within the section that we're going to look at, the writer keeps taking us back to God's people in the Old Testament who did turn away from the living God. Uh, This section of Hebrews is an exposition, an explanation, if you will, of Psalm 95. Uh, The Psalm, Psalm 95, is is quite quoted three times. Chapter 3, verses 7 to 11, chapter 3, verse 15, and chapter 4, verse 7. And in chapter three, verse seven, we read, so as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the desert. Psalm 95 reminds us of the time when the Israelites were led out of Egypt and into the wilderness on their way to the promised land. And the great sadness about that time in Israel's history was that none of those thousands of people who were delivered out of Egypt actually made it to the promised land. They kept testing the Lord, not trusting him, not believing. And so, as he says in verse 10, that is why I was angry with that generation and I said, their hearts are always going astray and they've not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And they never did enter the land, the promised land of rest and so with that in mind the writer to the hebrews says verse 12 see to it brothers that none of you has a sinful unbelieving heart that turns away from the living god or you too won't enter the promised eternal rest so with that sober warning before us two questions for us to ask this morning what will tempt us to drift from the lord and how can we overcome that temptation before Christmas we looked at the book of Exodus and saw how it was um, how Israel was tested Um, indeed how Israel tested the Lord Psalm 95 is looking back to that time and you remember a few things from those studies in Exodus first they kept looking back to Egypt whenever it was tough on the journey they wistfully looked back Back in Egypt, they had plenty to eat. Here in the desert, they said, we're going to starve. The truth was that in Egypt, they were enslaved. They were miserable. In desperation, they cried out to God to deliver them. But in those hard times, they kept looking back to Egypt, thinking it was better. you remember the other thing? They repeatedly refused to trust God to provide for them in the wilderness. They complained they had no water, and the Lord provided water. Then they complained that they didn't have any food, so the Lord provided manna from heaven. Then they complained about the manna. We have the same old food day after day, so the Lord provided quail, so they had meat to eat. They never seemed to learn the lesson that the Lord would provide for them. They just kept grumbling and moaning. And third, they refused to believe that God could take them into the promised land. So when the Lord sent some of them into the land of Canaan to spy out the land, most of them returned with reports of how big and powerful the Canaanites were. Do you remember it was only Joshua and Caleb that trusted that the Lord would enable them to defeat their enemies and enter the land. So Psalm 95 was written to God's people then, hundreds of years after the Exodus, to say, don't make the same mistake as the uh, children of Israel in the desert. Listen to your God and trust him. Verse seven, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. See, that's how we avoid falling into the same temptation. Listen to his voice. And we do that by reading the Bible. Notice the tense of the word here, referring back to Psalm 95, verse seven reads, as the Holy Spirit says, not as the Holy Spirit says, Said but says. Now this is important because this says what the Holy Spirit said back then to his people in his word, hundreds of years earlier, is the same thing that the Holy Spirit says to his people today. What he said in the Bible, he says today. And it then this is crucial, it is in the Bible that we hear the Holy Spirit speak to us today. It is in the Bible that we hear God's voice today and God's word for today. So verse seven, we are to listen to it today. And the encouragement here is to listen to God's word every day. For every day, there are other voices, competing voices that speak to us very loudly. And if we listen to those other voices, they will lead us astray. We will drift Look, every time we watch the television, we hear another voice. I'm not telling you not to watch the television. I like watching the television. I'm just saying, beware that every time we turn the television on, we are hearing another voice. Listen to the adverts. They tell us that we'll only be satisfied if we buy this, that, or the other product. They tell us that we can only be safe if we take this, that, or the other insurance out. They tell us that our future will only be secure if we invest in this, that, or the other way. And when we keep hearing those voices, it's easy to keep believing them because advertising is very powerful. I used to be in it. That's why people do it. It's not just television ads. As we spend time with unbelieving friends and colleagues, we hear a different voice. These, our friends, are nice people. Our colleagues are polite, hard-working, law-abiding citizens. I enjoy spending time with my unbelieving friends. But if they're not Christians, they have a different outlook on life, different values, a fundamentally different worldview. And so every day we are hearing other voices. I think of some of my friends who spend a lot of their time planning holidays, and I don't blame them for it. And then they spend a lot of their money on holidays and that's entirely their decision, that's fine. And then they spend a lot of their time actually on holiday and then talking to me about their holidays and I don't mind that either. (laughs) But the point is this, when I hear about those holidays, it is very tempting for me to want that kind of lifestyle. It is very tempting to hanker after that and not to be satisfied with my lot to want an easier life, a better paid job so that I could go on those holidays. These are competing voices tempting me to be, to be turning away from the way that God teaches me to live, just like the Israelites of old. To look at life now and to think that it would be easier to go back to before I became a Christian To go back to Egypt, where I felt free to live how I wanted. I think those thoughts, I'm sure you do too at times. If I listen to the wrong voices, I quickly begin to view the unbelieving life through rose-coloured spectacles, to forget that life without Christ is a life of slavery, enslaved by all my passions, enslaved by the world. And when I hear those other voices, it's easy to think that those other things will provide for me better than God does. Look, we live in a wealthy area and the people around here have so much. Uh, And when I compare my lifestyle with others, I can easily drift into thinking that God doesn't really provide for me, not as abundantly as he does for others. And when I look to the future and to the promised land, I can easily question whether God is really able to give me eternity. And as soon as I doubt my eternal future, I start to crave other things now because I want it now if I'm not gonna have it then. Do you see the point? I can easily begin to drift and that's when life is going well. It's even more difficult when hard times come our way, when we don't have a job or the, or the job we have is difficult or we lose our job or when relationships are tough or when bad health hits. When tough times come, times of testing, as we read in verse eight, I, I am quite, it's quite possible that I'm even more tempted to listen to the competing voices around me. And so I must listen to God's voice in his word. And I must listen to God's voice every day because every day I will hear competing voices. So every day, today, I must be sure to listen to God's voice. See, that's the dominant word here in this section. Chapter three, verse seven, today. Chapter three, verse 15, today. Chapter four, verse seven, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. And that is the word that is emphasised in chapter three, verse 13, but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today. How long can I be trusted to keep going with the Lord? No longer than 24 hours. Every day my heart is tempted to drift away, so I need to keep coming back to God's word daily to recalibrate my thinking to get my focus right, to fix my eyes on Jesus, as the writer says in chapter 12. And that's where we need each other. You see, verse 13 is an exhortation for us to encourage each other every day, to encourage each other to keep believing God's word, to encourage each other to keep following Jesus and to avoid drift, to encourage each other so that end of verse 13, none of us are hardened by sin's deceitfulness. See, over the past weeks, we've been thinking about what it means to be church, what it means to be the people of God. Here's where this now fits into that series. We are to encourage one another. Sometimes people say to me, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. Of course, it's true that going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. But it's impossible to live out verse 13 unless we are part of the church. We need to be around each other to encourage each other. I need to be here to encourage you and you need to be here not only to be encouraged by me but to encourage me to keep going. Verse 13, encourage each other. It is the kindest thing we can do because it's how we can ensure that we don't drift away and become unbelieving and give up our eternal hope. And so let me do that as we try to bring all this together, let me encourage you now and ask you, are you listening to God's voice in the scriptures daily? Do you have a daily time of reading the Bible? Do you put time aside in the morning or the evening? Every day, for me, it works best to read my Bible at the start of the day. It helps me to get things right at the beginning of the day. In the morning, I can think through the day ahead and consider how I'll respond to each situation that I'm gonna encounter I find it, when I leave it later in the day, it easily gets squeezed out. So how's it going? Do you have a daily time of listening to God in his word? And if you used to, but have got out of that habit, or maybe you never even started that, you've never done it, come and talk to me after, and I'll give you some pointers on how you can do it. I'll put something in your hand that you can start reading. That said, verse 13 is primarily about us encouraging each other daily with God's word. How are we doing with that? See, verse 13 speaks to me about the priority of meeting with God's people, of making it a priority to be part of a small group and making the Sunday gathering a priority too. Because if you meet with a small group midweek and again on a Sunday, then not many days go by before you hear God's voice in his word. So look, if you've started to drift, if meeting with, with God's people isn't the first thing you put in your diary, if you go to your small group every other week and only come to church one in three or once a month, let me urge you to change that. Make meeting with other Christians a priority for your sake and for the sake of others. For you to be encouraged to keep going, but for you to encourage others to keep going too. And of course, being part of a small group is so much more than a weekly meeting. It's a a place to form deep and close relationships where you'll make contact outside of the weekly meeting. When that begins to happen throughout the church family, we can encourage each other as we meet up for coffee and as we share meals and as we enjoy times as families together. We can encourage each other in a phone call or a text, encouraging each other daily from the Bible. There are two ways, of course, that we generally encourage each other. One is to pat each other on the back when we've done something well, uh, tell somebody that they've done a great job. That's a good thing to do. But the encouragement that this is talking about is more of an exhortation, a spurring on, an encouragement to keep going. And we need that, don't we? Think back to uh, skiing holidays we've enjoyed as a family. Sometimes sometimes, uh, we uh, come across steep hills and the children are nervous as they look down the mountain they begin to doubt that they can get down and when that happens my encouragement to the com- comes to them in all sorts of different ways usually begins with come on you can do it to come on you've just got to keep going we have to get down the mountain and then I'm perhaps a bit softer watch me I'll go ahead of you and you come after I'll show you how to do it one way and another, I encourage them to keep going. That's the encouragement here, encouraging others to keep going in the Christian life, to have our eyes fixed on Jesus, not to allow our hearts to be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, to fix our gaze on the prize of eternal life. And the way we do that for one another is encouraging each other with the Bible. So this moment now should be an encouragement to keep going. I hope it is but not just now. Over when we have coffee after church, we can encourage each other by talking about what we've gained from the sermon. If you've gained nothing from the sermon, talk about something else that you've learned during the week. Tell each other how we were challenged, what we intend to do about it. As a young young man I know, Andrew is his name, uh, shortly after he became a Christian, every Sunday he went to church with the intention of encouraging others and as he talked to people over coffee, he would tell them what he'd learned in his own daily Bible reading that week, and he'd ask others what they'd learned from their Bible reading that week too. I was struck when I, I read this book years ago. It's called Whatever Happened to the Jesus Lane Lord. I think it's been republished under the title From Cambridge to the World. Uh, Oliver Barclay. Um, it tells um, how the Christian Union at Cambridge University was formed. And uh, it tells the story of one bunch of Christian students who used to call their daily time of Bible reading and prayer the morning watch. And they agreed, in order to encourage each other, that they would all have the morning watch at the same time. Not all in the same room. They'd all be in their separate rooms, but they'd know that all their friends were also reading their Bible and praying at the same time of the day. And then as they met throughout the day, they'd talk about the things they'd read and encourage each other with a bit of thought we can do that daily it's so much easier today with social media and and technology i think of a friend of mine who lives in another part of the country every morning she sends a text to a number of the women in the church family that she's encouraging she sends them a text with an encouragement from the bible something that's encouraged her as she's read the bible that day isn't that verse 13 encourage one another daily And we need to be doing it, to be ready to do it, especially when we see people drifting away. So if someone you know has stopped meeting in the small group and the Sunday gathering, we love them by asking them, how are you doing? And encouraging them to meet together, making meeting together a priority. See, when we see people going astray or not living God's way, it is our responsibility to talk to them today it is the kindest thing to do because it is the saddest thing to see people fall away and give up the christian life and with it eternal life so verse 13 encourage one another daily as long as it's called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness Let's pray together. Our Father, with so many uh, competing voices telling us how to live and what to do, with our own hearts being sinful and ready to turn from you every day. We want to thank you that you do speak to us through your word. And all we need to do is read it. We pray, please, that you would help us to be people who want to listen to your voice. And we pray more than that, that we would be people who want to encourage one another to hear you daily. And as we do that and make an effort to do that, we pray there will be less and less stories of people drifting away from you We pray that as we do this together, we would be finding it a great way to encourage each other to keep going to the end. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen.